Uh, so we're going to start a new sermon series. It's going to be today. Then we're going to take a break next week because I have to go and do my ABA job, which is I need to install a pastor, a new pastor in Wetaskiwin. Install is kind of like flooring, as Judy said. <laughs> I'm not sure why we use the word installing, but the church is very excited. They haven't had a pastor for about two and a half years, and so they're very excited. They have a, a younger guy coming from Ontario, and so I get to do my official job of installing him. Then I'll be back uh, on the next week, and we'll finish up this series, and then we're going to look at Ruth for October and November. We're going to look at Ruth and how just an ordinary life has extraordinary moments to it, and, and we're going to study that. But I'm really excited about this series on Called. So what I'd like to do today is I want to talk to those of you who know you were created by God to do something significant, something meaningful, something eternal, something that matters. That's all of us. Many of you may sense that it's something big, something unique, something special, but you don't exactly know what it is, and you're not really sure where to start. I want to share a verse with you that I pray will land in your spirit and build your faith to know that you're uniquely created by God for His glory. You're called to make a difference in this world. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, you've probably heard this verse before. The Apostle Paul wrote this from a, from a Roman prison. It was probably about 61 or 62 A.D., and I want you to read this verse and I want you to feel the emotion behind it. I plead with you. Do you see Paul in prison saying that? I, I plead with you as a prisoner for the Lord. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. I plead with you. I urge you to live a life this one life that you've been given, worthy of the calling that you have from our God. I've been called by God. I'm called by God. If for a moment that verse resonates within your spirit because you sense that you were created for a reason, a calling, a purpose, a divine destiny, because you know matter, uh, because you know no matter what you achieve in this world, no matter what you collect or obtain in this world, we all long for more than just success. There's something inside of us that craves spiritual and lasting significance. So if you looked at breaking news, you might have seen the title of this message is God Calling Me. The answer is yes. Our God is calling each one of us. In an age where people seem to be obsessed with things like building their own personal brand, securing their own side hustle, making a name, or as my daughters would say, becoming an influencer. What I'd like to do this morning is try to, to attempt to reclaim the sacred language of calling. What does it mean to be called by God? The, the root, the, the Greek root word for calling is honestly one of the most significant and important words in all of the New Testament. 
The, the root of the Greek word is kaleo. And it's the root of 16 other very important words in the New Testament, which simply means to call. I, I want to show you some of the words, just a few of them, and you'll see them. That's the when we see the word call. There's a word that means calling. There's a word that means called. There's a word that means comforter, a picture of the Holy Spirit. There's a word which means advocate or intercessor. This is a picture of the Spirit of God. There's a word which is the gathering. It's the church. It's us, the assembly of believers. It's ek, ek, out of ecclesia. It means we're the called out ones. We don't just go into a building. We're called into the world. We're called. Now, when you think of this, if you own it and you recognize that you've been genuinely set apart by God, chosen by God, gifted by God, and called by Him to make a difference, I don't know about you, but that puts a little bit of weight into my day, doesn't it? If you're called by God, then you might wonder, well, what if I miss my calling? In other words, what if I was supposed to major in such and such in college, but now I'm stuck in online college? And I must have chose the wrong career. What if I went to the wrong church and I didn't hear the right message, which spurred me on the right thing? And what if I'm supposed to ask out that cute girl that attends my small group But I hesitated and now we're not meeting because of COVID and she got sick and she went to the doctor and the doctor asked her out and now I'm destined to marry somebody unattractive and I'm miserable the rest of my life. What if I miss my calling? Maybe you never thought that about the girl who went to the doctor and the doctor. Maybe you have. What if I take a wrong turn and I'm stuck on Yankee Valley Boulevard and my whole life is messed up? If God is calling me, he's chosen me for something special. What if I miss my calling? I'm so confused. Why is it specifically if I'm called by God, what am I called to do? It's got to be something big. It's God. It's got to be something important. If you're taking notes, you might just want to write this one down. We have to embrace the truth that calling is about who you are before what you do. Let me say that again. We have to embrace the truth, friends, that calling is about who you are before what you do. When God calls you, he's calling you to a who before he's calling you to a do. This is crazy important. In fact, I love the words that the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 1.9 said. He said this, He saved us, thank God He did, and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of God's own purpose and grace. This grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of, of time. Well, I do this every so often. Let me tell you what he didn't say, what Paul didn't say. He didn't say God saved you and called you to be a missionary to Africa. He might, but that's not what Paul said. 
He didn't say that you're called to be a second grade teacher or called to be a professional gamer or YouTuber. Paul didn't say that you're called for a task or a job. What he did say was this. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. See, it's a who before the do. God called you to live a holy life. In other words, calling is as much about who you are becoming as it is what you are doing. Friends, you and I are called to be holy. That Greek word means to be set apart. It means to be different. In other words, as you follow Jesus, you don't look like the world does. You don't act like the world does. You don't think like the world does. You don't behave like the world does. You're not driven by the things that drive the world because you've been set apart. You're called by Jesus. You're infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. When you look at Scripture, and we could spend a lot of time doing this this morning, it's crazy interesting to me that the Bible never talks about your calling for a career. The Bible talks about your calling to become like Jesus. Are you catching it? It's a who before it's a do. When you recognize you're called by God, a better question than starting with is, what am I called to do? A better question is, who am I actually becoming? Who is it that God wants me to become? If calling is only a do, it's going to get really confusing. All right, let me try to unpack this a little bit for you. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'd actually like you to participate this morning just by raising your hands. How many of you might suggest that God has called Matt to preach the gospel? You can raise your hand. Okay, some of you aren't raising your hand. That's hurting my feelings. This isn't a trick question. (laughs) What I'm trying to do is say, you might say that, Matt, you're called by God to preach the gospel. But there's a problem. See, I'm, I'm also called to be a husband to Michelle. I'm not going to get you to raise your hands. <laughs> but being a preacher of the gospel and being a husband takes two distinctly different skill sets and expressions to fulfill that calling. For example, if Michelle and I have a constructive discussion, that's preacher talk for an argument. So let's say we have a constructive discussion. And at the end of it, I say this to Michelle. For those of you who need to repent of your sins and call on Jesus, raise your hand right now at the count of three. If I say that to her at the count of three, I'm going to be repenting of my sins and calling on Jesus. See, that approach isn't very effective. It's a different setting. It's a different calling. So am I called to be a preacher? Am I called to be a husband? See, we've been married for 29 years. Even if we have constructive discussions, we tend to work through those constructive discussions. Marison McCulley call me dad, or if I'm not paying attention, they call me Matt Wilkes. I'm called to be a pastor, I'm called to be a husband, 
to my wife. I'm called to be a dad to my children. And I'm still the same person. And yet I've got different expressions of that calling. What I'm hoping you'll start to recognize in your own life is who you are is way more important to God than starting with what you do. In other words, if I'm called to be a preacher and yet I'm not living a righteous life, I'm not living a holy life, I'm not fulfilling my calling. If I'm not loving Michelle and yet I'm really successful in some other avenue, I'm not fulfilling my calling because I might be lacking integrity in some area of my life. I could be a good preacher and work really hard and preach a message that you might like and might influence your life. But friends, if I'm neglecting my family, if I'm abusing my family, I'm not fulfilling my calling. You can see someone who's a charismatic leader who doesn't keep their word and doesn't have integrity. That person is not fulfilling their calling because calling isn't something about, isn't something important you do in the future. Calling is about your faithfulness to Jesus today. It's about who you are today. Not just what you do in the future. The Apostle Paul says something that really ministers to me in every moment of each day. I want you to let this verse just sink in for you in a different way than you've heard it. Colossians 3.17, Paul wrote, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If you're doing something you enjoy, something that's difficult, something that's in your sweet spot, or something that's really, really frustrating, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, calling isn't just about the specific, unique, do thing for you. It starts with the who. And when you're holy and set apart for God, then whatever you do, you do it for God. I want to show you an example in Scripture, and this is not only powerful, but it's potentially really funny, okay? I want to show you a couple stories. You'll go, man, that looks like me. One is in Mark chapter 10, and then one is in the next chapter, Mark 11. In Mark chapter 10, we're not going to look there. We'll look at Mark chapter 11. There's two brothers, James and John, and they're going to ask Jesus for a little favor. Jesus, give us some favor. And essentially what they say is, Jesus, when you're sitting on the throne, when you're in heaven, when you're doing your reigning and ruling thing, can one of us sit on your right and one on the left? What they're saying is, Jesus, we want to be important. When people think of you, Jesus, we want them thinking of us too. Jesus looks on and kind of gives them a little message. He says, hey, if you want to be a leader, first you need to be a servant. He says, if you really want to be important, you want to be first, the first thing you need to do is actually be last. Jesus looks at them and says, it's not about visibility. You need to have a heart of a servant. It's who you are, not just where you're positioned. In the next chapter, and you can go there, Mark chapter 11, Jesus and his disciples, they're approaching Jerusalem for the famous moment that we call the triumphant entry. This is when Jesus comes riding in and the palm branches are waving and he's preparing to give his life away. 
The disciples are probably beside themselves. I don't know if you've ever been with someone that you deem important and you're walking in with them and you're like, I'm important too. Not because I'm up, but because of who I'm with. And this is what the disciples probably are thinking. We're coming into this town with Jesus at the moment of his triumphal entry. We've left so much to be here. This is our big moment as we go in. In Mark chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, As they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples. I, man, I wish Mark would have put in who those two disciples were. But if I were Jesus, I guarantee the two who had just asked to be the most important would have likely been my object lesson in this illustration. With all my heart, I believe that it's James and John that Jesus sent on this assignment. He's going to send them on ahead, and you know what they're thinking? These two were really important. This is our moment. We're going to cast out demons. We're going to call down fire from heaven. We're going to burn up the whole entire Roman Empire. You know, Jesus has chosen me because of my capacity, of my experience, my leadership skills. Here's what Jesus says to them in Mark chapter 11. Go into that village over there. And as soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there that no one's ever written. Untie that donkey and bring it here. If anyone asks what you're doing, just, says, just say the Lord needs it and we'll return it soon. Wait a minute, Jesus. We left everything to follow you. Where's my important assignment? Our big calling. Where do we get noticed? Where do we get a little attention? Where can we get some followers? Where do we get some fame? Come on, Jesus. You're serious we get donkey duty? The disciples were about to learn that the size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. Let me say that again. The disciples were about to learn that the size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. The size of your assignment, the very thing in the moment that God's calling you to do, enabling you to do, inviting you to do, may not feel very important in the moment, but could be way more significant than you could ever imagine. Just like that little shepherd boy who determined in the Old Testament that a very small stone could take out a really big giant. Just like that little boy in the New Testament who took his little lunch and gave it to Jesus, and Jesus took something that seemed so small, insignificant, and multiplied it to feed 5,000 men and a bunch of women and children. Friends, you are set apart by God. You're chosen by God. You're called by God. And whatever you do, even if it's on donkey duty, you do it with faithfulness. You do it with passion. You do it with integrity. Because of who you are. You do it for the one who gave it all for you. 
It's so much more than about the who than it is about the do. These two disciples, these two guys may have had no idea that they delivered the donkey that carried Jesus to his calling. What did we recognize? You want to find your calling? You want to find out what you're created to do? Always start with the who. Be faithful to Jesus right now. And then when you're faithful, when you serve with integrity, when you love and when you live generously and when you die to yourself and you leverage your life to make Jesus known, when there's less of you and more of him, when it's not about your name or your status or your visible importance, but it becomes about the one who gave his life for you, who suffered, who shed his blood, gave his life and rose again so you could be forgiven, your sins washed away. See, filled with the very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, empowered, created, uniquely shaped, set apart to live a holy life, then when everything you do, you do for the glory of God, you don't have to find your calling. Your calling will find you. It overtakes you. It can be something as meaningless as donkey duty becomes something meaningful when it's the one who gave his life for you. What are you called to do? You're called to a who before a do. You're called to become like Jesus. You're called to be set apart to live a life. See, friends, we don't live according to the same values that this world lives toward. And so one day you wake up and you recognize there's someone who's in need. You're called to help that need. There's someone who's hurting. You're called to become like Christ, to stop and listen to them. You might be called right now to love a spouse that really is difficult to love. You might be called to pray for a child that continues to run from God. You might be called by God to confess your sin in your life that's held you back and grieved your soul and believed that the power of the Holy Spirit can actually change you. You might have a lot of education. You know, you could probably do so much more professionally, but right now you're called to love those kids at home. You're called to love them with the love of Jesus. You might be called to build a business and you say that's not spiritual. That's incredibly spiritual. Don't let anyone tell you it's not spiritual. Jesus got pretty excited about someone who had five talents and multiplied it to ten. Build that business with integrity and faithfulness, with passion. Honor God with whatever you do. Do it as you would to the glory of God. So it always starts with the who. So what am I called to do? It starts with the who. Friends, I'm a child of God who's been redeemed and forgiven by Jesus way more than you can imagine. I'm called to shepherd this church under the good shepherd of Jesus. I'm called to lay down my life to serve my bride. I'm called to disciple my children toward the goodness of Jesus. See, it's not just about what I do how big my church is, how successful my ministry is. That represents the who. I'm called to be like Jesus. There's a huge part of me that I need to confess, that I'm not proud of, but there's a part of me that always wants to be important. I don't know about you, but I want to do something important. I want you to look and have people say you've built a really important church and your important voice and you're, an important, you're making an important difference. But what I'm starting to realize is this. 
I'm faithful to Jesus. When I stand before him one day, he's not going to say, well done, my good and important servant. What he may say and I dream about is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Faithful. You've been called by God, set apart, chosen. Not to live a life that's all about you and your comfort and your name and your desires, but a life that reflects the glory of God. Paul said this, and we started with it. Hopefully it will be a little different for you. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. You're called to reflect the glory of Jesus in all you do. In every single conversation, everywhere you go, understand you've been set apart by God. What if when you woke up, you just recognized, I've been called by God. I'm uniquely created, empowered. I'm set aside to live a holy life. I'm called to become like Jesus, to make him known. And at the end of the day, your success will not be based on how important you look to anyone else, but your success would be based on how faithful am I to Jesus. Success isn't accomplishing something big and significant out there in the future. Success is being faithful to Jesus today. Let me reread it to you again. I want you to feel it. Imprisoned. Falsely accused, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Me, a prisoner, serving the Lord, I beg you. Church, hear this as if the Spirit of the, God, of Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you, church, you've been called by God. So daybreak, what are we going to do about it? Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you and adore you. We worship you. We are honored that you have called us. You've called us by name. Help us understand that our calling is about who we are before it is what we do. We ask all this in your name. Amen.